0: Welcome to Off Air. It's your weekly news and pop culture podcast where each week Nick Stewart and myself pull apart the top three stories of the week. And I surprise Nick because I choose the stories and he doesn't know what they are. Um, I like to tell you what they're going to be though. So this week we're going to be doing SAS, Australia and China. This has been absolutely blowing up. Elliot Page our new favorite Hollywood actor and should we be making a movie about Martin Bryant the controversial film that is chugging away in Australia right now now we also have a Facebook group it's called Off Air Podcast Community jump in there because we love discussing our topics every single week let's get into it welcome to Off Air what is our mandate? Tim Rubin it's super creepy to
1: reanimate somebody's dead father for their birthday. Nick Stewart. I really leaned into trying to get radicalised by ISIS.
0: You're listening to Off Air. I believe it's this.
1: This is a real problem. Okay, so we've changed the format of the podcast and we no longer use James's amazing song. So now instead, Tim, you freeze like a child in front of a microphone every single week. <laughs> what is going on, man? I need the song
0: so I can dance. <laughs> it's, it's, it's off air. So, uh, we normally dance and then, <laughs> and then we're on. Hey, I wanted to share something with you that's happened in the last couple of days on the back of last week's podcast Hmm. um where we were talking about the the topic of the hedwig play and can um cis gendered actors play trans characters yes and uh i so i I got a message and i kind of wanted to unpack it a little bit i've chopped it down a bit um this is from a listener says hi sorry to inbox you but i couldn't find any other contact info i also responded to that saying there's a facebook group it's (laughs) off air (laughs) um She continued. she said, I just wanted to add to your discussion on trans actors that wasn't explored. Being gay slash trans isn't really in your realm of possibilities as sexuality and gender identity isn't actually a choice. Having cis actors playing trans characters perpetuates the myth that trans people are just cross-dressing rather than an actual gender identity. Your realm of possibility theory also perpetuates that this is a choice, not an identity. Just some food for thought on the topic. Otherwise, your podcast is fun. Thanks for the content.
1: I think it's a really great point and and it's 100% right. And we are for the most, I mean, let's face it, Tim as uh, males our brains are only just finishing development like in reality as weird as that sounds at 31 years old our brains is this a real thing yeah that's an absolute real thing Uh, the male brain development really stretches out to like 28 to 32 so the female brain development and shout out to all the women out there generally ends by about 26 so that's why women are a lot smarter than men and secondly you and i are on a base level nearly idiots. So, (laughs) I'm always open to being corrected.
0: Yeah, I I really like that. And I I have some thoughts around it, but I'm not going to get into my my thoughts directly dealing with those points. But what I did want to address off the back of that is that everything that we say on this podcast is 100% the thoughts that we're having in the moment, on the day, at that point in time um, and these are totally they're, they're all topics that we're unpacking as we go so those are my thoughts as of last week I had done a lot of soul searching to get to that point mm. you have raised some re- these are some really interesting ideas and that's going to kind of keep on growing and, and taking things to the next level so that's that's what I enjoy about doing our podcast is is that you and I challenge each other and I love that
1: our listeners and you can get involved now and challenge us as well yeah and tell absolutely. us how wrong we are <laughs> Oh man, we live for, and it's one of the biggest reasons we started this podcast was so that we can all learn a little bit more because we live in a world where you really do exist inside a little thought bubble and your own ideas are perpetuated with the people around you. So the more you can challenge that every day, it's a really important thing. So thank you so much. Please continue to get involved. There has been awesome, awesome discussions on that group, Facebook, uh, Facebook group, um, Off Air Communities. We'll chuck the link. But uh, keep sending your messages through and keep engaging because this is as much your podcast as it is ours.
0: Story number one. In the last two weeks, Australia has found itself in a very dark and serious situation globally. It started off with an investigation into the SAS, finding that from 2005 to 2016, SAS soldiers had murdered uh, 39 afghani people in afghanistan these were civilians and they were under situations that breach international war codes right now the police are actually investigating 19 of those sas personnel but the story doesn't end there as i'm sure you know because this week china has actually gotten involved and someone by the name of zhao li jian uh, who's the deputy director of china's ministry of foreign affairs tweeted a photoshopped image of an australian soldier and this is very full on, slitting the throat of a child, of mm. an Afghani child. Mm. Uh, again, it's a doctored image. So, they had somebody had made this in some type of program. It is very, very graphic. And Scott Morrison is um, basically now in a public battle um, asking for these images to be removed and also asking for an apology from this Chinese diplomat. And interestingly, China has, report, has retorted by saying, well, you probably owe Afghanistan an apology. Nick, there is so many layers to this and there is so much to unpack. So I want to start right back at the beginning. Let's go back two weeks. Mm. What was, before we get to the tweet and China's involvement, what was the moment like for you when you were learning about these SAS killings?
1: My skin is actually tingly. When when you're talking about that right now, because it was such an emotional, raw response. I've grown up uh, in a very uh, proud, patriotic family with a long history of service. My grandfather was a captain in the army. He served uh, in World War Two. I- in my fiance's family, is a number pe- number of people currently serving in the Australian Defence Force. And I, uh, it's, uh, straight off the bat, and, and this is me being totally transparent, I had this real visceral emotion, uh, emotional reaction going. You know we don't fucking understand what's going on in the heat of battle and we're not there and we don't know what our soldiers are a part of. And I think that's a really natural uh, emotional reaction that a lot of people had. And it certainly seems that way on social media. Then I went and looked into the Brereton report and this report is four years old. So it's dealing with actions that occurred four to five years ago. Uh, and it's dealing with a, a cultural issue that existed within one small part of the SAS. More uh, than four to five years, two thousand five to twenty sixteen. Yeah, so sorry. going back up to a, a fifteen long years. Way, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and um, I read uh, parts of it. Is a it is a hundred and thirty eight page document. Uh, I, I didn't get to read all of it, and a lot of it is redacted, which means it's covered up because of these impending court cases and because of uh, them wanting to protect certain individuals. And it makes it very clear nearly from the start that basically a, lo- a lot of the killings that uh, people are being accused of didn't occur in the heat of battle at all. They, and, and, no. and And a lot of them... We're around a real cultural issue that existed within this part of the SAS and, and things like blooding where senior SAS members were, were angling or bullying younger SAS members into killing farmers, civilians, children, potentially To get their women. first kill. Yeah. To get in. It was like, let's get your first rung on the board. Really hard to defend that, man. <laughs> like when you, when you read these things, yeah. it's really hard to defend that. But it's also, I think, really crucially important for us to be able to separate the actions of a few from the bravery, the courage of many. And these, and and when you see the comments, there's so many comments online of people saying, you know, we should be supporting our boys. Well, that support needs to go both ways because this was also brought to light by members of the SAS and members of the Australian yes. Defence Force. That's so a great point. You can't just signal out saying we need to protect some when others were the ones that were saying this is reprehensible behaviour. I I can't have a fully formed opinion on this. There's still a lot of emotion around it and I need to wait until these court cases have played out to to fully understand. But man, there's so many so many different angles to this thing. What did it leave you feeling? I think that
0: as an Australian, we have a view of the world that we are the goodies. Mm. And I know that that's such an overly simplified View, but that's really, you know, when you're a kid and you're learning about the world, you kind of are breaking things down into goodies and baddies. And I think we all, and I think most, uh, well, probably everybody has the view that they're on the team goodies. Mm. And it's, um, it's shattering. It's shattering to hear that, uh, we. Might need to reconfigure that perspective, and go. Okay, maybe we're not actually a part of the positive impact on the world that we had wished that we were. And I think that I, I mean we were in Afghanistan for important reasons. Like if you think back to uh, everybody remembers, everybody who's old enough remembers where they were when nine eleven happened, and mm. that was a crazy, crazy time when huge buildings were being attacked and, and and blown up. And I remember being in Sydney, Australia, going, is my school going to be safe? I was thinking, you know, somebody could attack and blow up my school. So, it, I, I mean, that was a real, real terrorist threat that was going on around the world. And it was very important for the countries that did uh, go into Afghanistan and fight the Taliban and things like that for that to happen. Absolutely. But yeah. It's, um, it, it was shattering to go, oh my God, we are not necessarily the goodies that we've always seen ourselves as. When you say, um, you know, it's a small group of these SAS soldiers, at the moment, it's 19 soldiers that are being looked into for criminal charges. And mm. that's right now. The SAS is a group of between, I think, four and 600, which means that this is potentially 5% who are who, who there is enough evidence against that they are being criminally looked into. Yeah. At what point, at what percentage is the tipping point that you go, this is big, this is too big? Because there are a lot of people that are
1: saying that the SAS needs to be disbanded. Well, that's bullshit. I I, I think that that's a ridiculous suggestion because as well, it's like we said, these are, these are things that happened up to the point of 2016 and I've... Uh, read a lot about how they've actually reformed their selection processes in the past four years. Off the back of really? this information, yeah. So they have t- they have tried to divert away from that warrior culture. And I didn't made it. see Merrick have to do this on any of the episodes.
0: <laughs> he did. And
1: how and was the Magnuson timing of that like, show? You don't remember when Ferrarastarati had to had to slaughter? That an was why
0: That was why Chappelle left. She was like, I draw the line.
1: She she she's been smoking too much weed. She's like, nah, man, no war, no good. Uh, No. No, look, you can't. As I said, uh, I think that uh, you're right. You raised some good points, but it's also uh, life is about perspective and we have a very sheltered uh, view on a lot of things. And and when we start digging into the China aspect of this, I think there is some valid points to be made that for a large part, Australia is still a beacon of hope and this is a really negative thing that has happened. But it's also worth pointing out that we live in one of the most democratic societies in the world and we started this investigation. That's a great point and
0: that's a really important thing to note as well, that we are self-governing this mm. investigation and we are continuing to self-govern um, and make sure that justice is served in one way or another. Um, but you did bring up China, so let's talk about China. So, uh, Zhao, who is the Chinese minister that that did this tweet. The wolf warrior, the,
1: he goes by. Is, is that what he calls himself? Oh, yeah. the... <laughs> Which is, you know, in no way a <laughs> attacking name in any way was like a... Any
0: any dude that refers to himself <laughs> as a wolf, wolf pack lone wolf is a fucking loser
1: immediately. <laughs> well, there's a um, reason anyway, that they but, call but, shooters lone wolves. Let's just. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but
0: that aside. I mean, it's a very interesting thing that's going on. This got Scott Morrison's back up so quickly uh, and I thought that it was a very, you know, the Shakespeare line, the lady doth protest too much. Yeah, yeah. Like, it took Scott Morrison four weeks to do a press conference when the country was on fire. (laughs) He, He was on that podium in about 45 seconds after this tweet was sent
1: well, the and, thing and is, I, though, that we, uh, we, we don't get a lot of real news in this country, which is something we've talked a lot about. And it's another big part of the reason I, I like this podcast. I like uh, a lot of the stuff Friendly's Geordie's do. Uh, there's, there's a lot of... Michael West Media is a great independent journalist that puts stuff up that, that we actually talk about. But there's, there's a real reason that uh, Scott Morrison got his back up so quickly about this. And that is that prior to even the COVID stuff happening... Australia was the country that was specifically spearheading uh, and wanting uh, further investigation into some fairly severe war crimes and humanitarian crimes that are happening in China right now. So I think part of this came from the fact that we've been asking for clarity on the fact that there are are these essentially, I don't want to use the word, they're called re-education camps in the northwest of China. Anything with the word camp in it. It's not good, is it? (laughs) And and, and they're essentially called uh, the Xinjiang re-education camps. There's somewhere between 1 million and 3 million uh, uh, Uyghur uh, Muslim people from the the northwest of the Chinese region there at the moment. Some of the stuff that has been accused of going on, they're they're essentially uh, doing things, these are all accusations, but mass sterilization. They're trying to essentially breed out this population of people. Wow. Um, They're they're, uh, putting them to work, uh, slave labour camps. And Australia, on on an international scale, were the first people to really try to spearhead further investigation into this, and they were shut down very, very quickly. And so I think Scott Morrison... Is a bit pissy more so than anything else, because he 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 is and this is a bit of a whataboutism, but he's saying, well, yeah, we did this and we are self-governing this, but you are literally in the process of trying to cover up these camps in your country. And I think that's that and then that has escalated through the fact that we are the ones that spearheaded wanting an independent inquiry into COVID, and then we are the ones that are getting hit with tariffs uh, that are affecting our trade. So, it's heated, man. You think that it's a bit
0: of a a case of the pot calling the the kettle black when it comes to the humanitarian
1: problems. Yeah. Well, Uh, we're ranked in the top 10 countries in the world on the humanitarian index scale, and they're down at about 126 out of something like 180 countries.
0: My thing, though, is that two wrongs don't make a right, and even if China has been committing these atrocities, and this was something that um, one of our uh, Facebook group members, Stephen, brought up straight away as soon as we started posting about this. He said, well, look at the camps. That, that China has been mm. creating, even if China is doing these things, they still have a point. And where is the apology from Scott Morrison? I mean, like this is important for the, Afghanis, for the Afghani people, for the families of those 39 people. There are accusations that that number is potentially much higher. You've got to remember that that's only the number that has been proven by the investigation by the army itself. Where's the apology? Why are we jumping on TV doing these live broadcasts saying China needs to apologise? When he, sh- he he just do it, mate. Just apologise.
1: Well, I think we've got a well. You can't apologise before there's a the, the, before it's been legally tried, because then you're admit, as a country you're admitting fault before it's actually gone through the court process. So then you you're not giving a fair trial. If that makes sense. You can't really legally, and, and this is really shitty legal terminology. I agree with you in, 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 in some respects, but you can't, from a, from a legal standpoint, my understanding is if he was to all of a sudden come out and apologize, then in court that gives grounds that these have already happened. These are allegations at this point in time. I know they're in that report, but they need to go through the criminal <coughs> proceedings for that to happen. So they've jumped the gun a little bit, but I think it was R.C. of China. And chi- China are bullies and they attack democracy. And that needs to be pointed out is that the reason China are happy to go so hard here is because they know anything we're pointing out, the majority of the Chinese population are not going to see because they have created a massive social media firewall around yeah, their country.
0: I, 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 so, I did think that it was very funny that he pointed it out on Twitter, yeah. which is a website that I don't think Chinese people have access they don't. to. They,
1: they absolutely <laughs> don't have access to that. So it's, 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 it's very strategically intelligent of China. Uh, and when I say China, we always should reiterate, we're talking about the government. We're not talking about... You know, people living their everyday lives over there. This isn't some smear campaign against Chinese people. But their government have been very bloody smart in using social media to attack democratic countries when democracy is based in argument within the country. And then they don't allow that to occur in their own country. Like there is a fact that the the fact you and I can sit here and discuss these war crimes Mm. and we're not going to be thrown into a camp is, is pretty strong evidence that Australia has a really healthy democracy. And the fact that China doesn't even have access to this information is pretty strong evidence that, that, that is not the case in that country. So it's weird. It's, it's frustrating and it can have very real effects. If we ceased. I read a report recently this week and I can't think of who did it, but they were they were inferring that if we stopped trading with China, that would have a a 6% effect on our GDP, which is sort of similar numbers to what we've seen from coronavirus. So if you can imagine the amount of unemployment we've seen co- from coronavirus and how much that has destabilized our economy, can you imagine mm. if that happened? all over again now. so And permanently as well because we're bouncing back from coronavirus. Yeah. Exactly. So, that's some real – there's some really scary stuff happening at the moment and I don't know why we've positioned ourselves to be scapegoats. (laughs) But, yeah, it's tough, man. Yeah, that is
0: scary. I didn't know that statistic. Oh, I want to wrap this topic up but one thing that I want to throw in here is I was actually speaking to some friends who are in the army and – they said this is going to be a huge, huge process. I didn't realize this, but an internal investigation within the army actually has its own set of rules. And mm. so, when they were doing this investigation, uh, if you are being investigated, you are obliged, is the terminology, to answer every single question that is asked of you. So, they have to give all of the information that they potentially have. Mm. Um, whereas in a criminal proceeding, uh, you can, in America, they call it plead the plead fifth. The fifth but here if, you, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to answer anything. So, even though all of this information is now out in the public and is in this report, it is actually all going to be, uh, I don't know, they've, they've got to basically throw it away and start again and do it through a criminal process, which, wow. I mean, this has taken years already. So, they're thinking that this whole thing, will probably span for about the next decade.
1: Mm. But I think, look, I think the biggest thing at the end of all this is, uh, and we've already mentioned it, we should be proud that we live in a country that has this level of self-analysis. We should be proud that we live somewhere where people actually want to talk about this stuff and work out whether we were right or wrong because there are a lot of countries out there that don't do that and it's worth just remembering that. But this is going to be very hurtful.
0: Story number two. This is breaking as of today and I'm very excited about this. The movie star who we would have previously referred to as Ellen Page, who you'd know from movies like Juno, Inception and Hard Candy and so many, so many more, has come out today as trans And is now going to be referred to as Elliot Page. Um, Elliot wrote a very long kind of diatribe on their Instagram. I've got a little section from it. It says, I feel lucky to be writing this to be here, to have arrived at this place in my life. I feel overwhelming gratitude for the incredible people who have supported me along this journey. I can't begin to express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am enough to pursue my authentic self. Nick, the one thing that I'm annoyed about with this entire story is that every single article that I read described Elliot as the star of Umbrella Academy, which I've never heard of and definitely <laughs> isn't as popular as Inception. Oh, and it's judo. also made me question what Umbrella Academy is and should I be watching it? <laughs> have you seen Umbrella? Do you know No, what I've seen some
1: ads for it. It looks pretty good. Uh, I would have said judo. Was is um, Elliot's biggest role? Though I mean, that was that probably more for our generation. But that was a really big movie when we were. And the start, yeah. as compared to Inception, it was a smaller character.
0: Um, Nick, how did you feel when you saw the news? Were you happy
1: for Elliot? Sure, I'm happy. Look, I'm happy for anyone that uh, gets to the point where they're happy enough within themselves to live their own truth. And that's something I'm still struggling with. I think in regards to anything, we always want to be the most authentic version of ourselves because that's going to make us the happiest. So if this is something that they have struggled with for a long time and wrestled with and felt pressure in, in Hollywood, no doubt, I'm sure they did. Then if, if they now get to live their authentic self, then hats off to Elliot. And I think it's fantastic for them to then encourage anyone else that wants to live that way. Um, how about you? Where do you stand on this?
0: Well, I'm I'm stoked about it and I'm happy to get to talk about it with you as well because we spoke about um, some trans issues last week mm. because, of course, we're the voice of trans.
1: Well, obviously, That's the, look, this is the bigger thing, I guess, is you, you, we're talking about such a small percentage of the population. I'm not entirely sure and I'm not trying to offend anyone. With this statement i 'm not entirely sure why it is consistently such a major news thing. I think people should just be allowed to live and have man fuck whoever yeah. you want i don 't care it 's fine <laughs> um, you know it 's not even about well it 's not
0: even about sexuality no, no. it 's about gender yeah so uh, yeah, for me, like we spoke about these trans issues last week, and we were getting very caught up around the the rules and the red tape of who can play what type of character yeah and if if i 'm honest, I find that conversation a little bit senseless because it's based in nothing and it kind of can go in circles there's no right answer mm. whereas I'm so much happier to see a story like this about a human being finding their happiness and finding their true self I think it's joyous I think it's wonderful <laughs> um, and I also think it's great that that a person is um I think it's great that the world is moving in the direction where they're able to do this um, and it's not as big a deal like I think the the only other, big name to have gone through this was Caitlyn Jenner. And that was such a f- – I mean, they made a TV sh- – there was a TV show about it. It was Best Woman in the World on Vogue magazine or whatever it was. I like the idea that people could just do it in Hollywood and, or wherever. And it, it's, it's not as much of an issue.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't understand my sister's a teacher. And there are two uh, kids at her school that are in the process of transitioning. They're in grade 11, 12. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know. This is the, the world has changed a lot, man, in the past 15 mm. years. It's crazy. But I think you're right. Look, hats off to anyone who who gets to be more... Of their authentic self because that, that should really be all our goal and it should be what we're all heading towards. And I think it's cool that it hasn't been a huge deal. I think it's cool that Elliot probably won't end up on the front cover of something and, you know, hopefully Elliot's a better driver than Caitlin was. Because that, that was really swept under the rug through that whole process that time. So. Did that person die? Yeah. That Caitlin yeah, hit die. with their car? Yeah. yeah. Killed someone. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, we all forgot about that.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think so highly of that whole family, but Elliot, I'm a big fan. I, I, I would like to ask you, though, on more of a personal note, um... I think obviously, like you just brought up with your sister and, and the people in your sister's class. Oh, um,
1: I was really hoping you wouldn't go here. I think I don't. No no, 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 no. <laughs>
0: no, I'm not going to. No, I don't want to get into the age conversation because that's oh, a big good. conversation. But I think obviously for somebody like Elliot, this has been a huge journey. But the world has actually been on a journey over the last 10 or 15 years with the trans community as well. as uh, trans people have more and more entered into the public eye and it's become more normalized and spoken about. So I'm really just genuinely interested. What's your journey been like with it?
1: With Oh, that's a, that's a really hard question because I'm still going through it. I haven't had anywhere near ex- enough exposure to trans people in my life uh-huh. to have a really strong, solid opinion. And I still, I'm not, Man, I haven't read up enough uh, about things because I, in my head I still have strong opinions about trans athletes um, and especially huge physical men who then transition to being women and take parts in sports that involve a lot of physicality so uh, you know that aside but but for the most part I, I'd like to think I've always been a fairly open person I do think it's crazy that in in the past would we say 15 years, in our country, yeah. there was a there was a dating show where we tried oh, yeah. to trick. There's men something about into, yeah, where we tried to trick men into dating a, tra- a trans woman. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Well, it's, And then we put used... a trans person in the Big Brother house and tried yeah. to make them work it out. So, like, if, let's face it, that is treating... We've come a, a long hu- way. Yeah, that's treating a human like a freak show. And, yeah. and that's, I think, how it was probably perceived by most people in Australia. So, if, if we've reached a point today where Elliot can come out and speak their truth and we don't want to stick them in a house and try to get guys to fuck them and work out whether they're a girl or a guy then that's probably a good thing. (laughs) Would you say your... Have you been been aware of your journey in trying to understand on I've been on a real
0: journey. I've been on a huge journey with it. If if I look at myself, uh, I'm 31. So, if I look at myself uh, in the last 10 years, Mm. um, which is I would say at 20, you're starting to form opinions as an adult. um, I would... I really struggled with the concept when I was younger because I, I used to when I was younger, I really thought I was like, Well it, it, this is a chair if I call it a car, <laughs> it's still a chair <laughs> yeah and and, and that okay. was the that was the thing that I couldn't fathom and as I've gotten older, I think that my understanding of the complexity of it has deepened, and one of the biggest things that's happened is I've had some personal um, I've had some interactions with trans people um, and it's humanized the experience, the topic for me. One of the main, one of the biggest ones actually was I was probably about 25 and I uh, got invited by one of my friends, I won't say their name, uh, I got invited by what, one of my mates to go to a football game mm. and I think that they had like seats membership seats or something and so I went along and this was one of my high school mates and you know your high school friends who you know their family because they're like your second family yeah yeah this is one of my mates who I would crash at their house like I had a basically a bedroom or a pull out couch there that I would live in on weekends and whatever (laughs) and went to this football game hadn't seen his dad in quite a while we caught up for beers and burgers first. And I noticed that his dad looked a bit different. He had longer hair and he had, his skin looked a little bit different, but I didn't really think anything of it. Um, I just thought, you know, when dads are going through that, like 50 something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's bought a convertible and.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I was like, he's getting some skincare done and whatever. (laughs) And, um, we went we sat, we watched the football game and I was sitting between my mate and his dad. So I'm chatting to the dad and catching up and stuff. And I'm like, you know, uh, what's going on and we and meanwhile the entire time he's yelling because I've known this guy for every big mm. footy head guy yelling non-stop at the football fuck you what are you doing ref all this <laughs> stuff you know <laughs> and he's asking me what I'm up to and I'm saying "Oh, I'm transitioning into radio and I'm moving into radio and um, yeah it was probably like two thirds of the way through the game that I, I was like, w- like what are the biggest things that are going on with you guys and he said, well, um, uh, I'm actually trans now. And I and I went, oh. And he went, yeah, just didn't identify as a man, realized that uh, that's not my identity. So, yeah, been coming to terms with that and, and figuring out my path with that. And it was the first time that I had sat down with somebody and spent time with someone who was going through that and, um, his identity was the same to me. He, mm. he was he. St- he still used the pronouns he, so
1: I feel comfortable using that. And mm. he's still my friend's dad. And, um, and we're gonna fuck up. That's the other quick thing. Just to chuck in there is yeah. like everyone's gonna. This we is might. a real. Evolutionary process, and and we're probably going to say stuff that isn't correct, and and please don't take offence to that. Please feel free to get in contact with us. Yeah, but that was my first time
0: um, with somebody who I had known for a long time and Mm. had seen them face to face find a new level of happiness. And he was somebody who had been in the army, had been like that corporate CEO type of person, and I think it really forced an identity. For a number of years of his for a huge percentage of his life and um was fine was walking starting to find a new path and that was a real turning point for me to get to spend some time with somebody who was uncovering a trans identity and it was that point that i had that you know if you call a chair a car is it a chair and i went who fucking cares Mm. who cares at the end of the day if my friend's dad is leading a happier life brilliant yeah Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been on a huge journey with it. Story number three. In 1996, um, in Tasmania, in Port Arthur, uh, an area became the backdrop to one of the world's worst ever mass shootings. Uh, Martin Bryant killed 35 people, and 23 people were additionally wounded. Now, in the year 2020, a film is being made about it. It's called Nitram which I had to Google why it was being called that. It's Martin backwards. Um, and it's being produced by Stan, which is owned by Channel 9. And it follows the life of uh, Bryant up until the shooting. The big major problem with this movie is that the survivors are not happy about that. Mm. They don't want it to be made. One of them, Justin Woolley, uh, he was 12 at the time of the shooting. He was present. Um, he is a survivor. He's tweeted. He's tweeted. As a survivor of the Port Arthur massacre, I would like to state that this can—and let me be clear—fuck the fuck off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> These strong, people are not mixing words.
0: their words. Yeah. Um, he's got more of a statement that I can get into in a little bit. But
1: Nick, what do you think? I... Should they be making a movie about Martin Bryant? No. I don't. I don't think that they should. It's a very American thing, isn't it? Like in America, that they they have a real fascination with serial killers, and they'll often um, try to make these movies and things like that. But I just i I think first things first. This was a this was a huge moment in Australian history, uh, and it's one of the few moments, especially in our lifetime. I'd, I wonder if it's the same for you. But I remember maybe. Four things growing up, I think. I remember four, like four, where were you when this happened moments. We've we discussed one at the start of this podcast in terms of September 11. Uh, I remember Princess Di dying. I remember Michael Hutchins dying. And I remember this. And I remember where I was. I remember being at my uncle's house in Sydney. I remember us all being glued to a TV. I remember, a weird thing I also remember is how drawn out the entire event was because he then went to a, a, another location and a house and he was locked up there um, and and it it's it, it's a crazy really dark part of Australian history and and I think if you were ever going to make something surely you would consult the people that are going to uh, be affected by the making of it and and it's going to be a really raw nerve and you know uh, Tasmania is a, a small community and and a lot of these people are going to watch this and be very affected by it. So, it, it baffles me that they're not making, that, that, that they haven't made inroads to try to connect with people who were mm. victims of this. It, it's well, really fucking crazy.
0: They've actually tried to do it in a very roundabout way. I don't know if you know this. They're actually shooting the film in Victoria mm. um, because they didn't want to upset people in Tasmania, which if that's not a sign to yourself, then I don't know what is. Yeah, I had a friend. I had a friend say to me once we were having a conversation about uh, this is back at drama school, and we were talking about what is racist. How do you define it? And he said, "If you're worried that it's racist, it's racist." <laughs> and, and that's a it's a great rule to live by. I think it's a great rule for everything. If you are worried about making a film about a Tasmanian shooting
1: in Tasmania. It's because it's probably inappropriate. Well, that's why they shot all the spaghetti westerns in Italy. Uh, In 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 Hollywood, when they the term spaghetti western exists, because they filmed all the um, the Wild Wild West films over in Italy because they were worried about offending Native Americans. Wow! (laughs) They didn't want Native Americans as extras in the cast, and that was a big. It was also cheaper, and there was tax reasons, but it was part of the reason. So it's weird that we haven't educated ourselves since Mm. then but it's i don't know if it's a case of being too soon or it's just poor taste but it also and i i don't know a lot about this so please feel free to give me more information Mm -hmm. but if they're making the lead up doesn't that sort of make the perpetrator the star as opposed to the victims of the actual movie or show
0: So, uh, I'll read you Justin Woolley's full um, uh, note that he gave actually to Pedestrian, interestingly enough. Also Um, on Channel 9,
1: weirdly, anyway.
0: (laughs) Don't know why that would be there. Pitting Channel 9 against itself. (laughs) This is what he said. He said, this is not as many people have made it on social media about censorship. I have no desire to censor the events of the twenty eighth of April nineteen ninety six Well, my belief is that in cases of terrorism or mass shootings, we should not mention the perpetrator's name uh, the perpetrator by name, robbing them of the notoriety they so often crave. I am mm. not on some philosophical level opposed to the documentary or news coverage of this event. However, as an author. I know well that in order to create a story about this individual, it's necessary to generate sympathy in the audience, at least to have them relate to the subject. It is this, in a film portraying the life of Martin Bryant, that I strongly object to. It's good words, strong words. I think that... He's bang on. yeah. Yeah. And this is, I mean, it raises a really interesting question. Why do you think they would decide to make a movie that centers itself about Martin Bryant and even centers itself on Martin before this shooting. All all that that does is it normalizes him as a person. It it creates a level of empathy with him. It shows him living his his day-to-day life. And even if he is, you know, even if he is a, a, a negative character, as soon as you start putting him in normal scenes and start showing him with his mother, with his family, with his friends, all it does is make people feel a fondness of him that
1: he does not deserve and should not be on a feature film screen. No, it'd be way more interesting to see a documentary about how this event led to gun reform in Australia. That's something I'd actually be way more invested in seeing. I think I'd like you to answer this question because I have a theory, but you've been more involved in the world of acting than me and the world of movies. It's really hard to get stuff funded in Australia. Do you think that they have maybe chosen this subject matter because they know it will be polarizing and therefore potentially be easier to get funded and get made so that they can make Australian content? Yep, I
0: think you're probably right. I think it is very difficult to make fun- uh, to get funding and so many Australian creatives end up going overseas. The other thing is this director He is most notable for making the movie Snowtown, which is also about an Australian murder Mm. um, or or serial killer. And so if I was the creator of a serial killer murder and I wanted to continue getting funding, you make another movie about an Australian serial killer murder or some, you you know, some type of Australian event Mm. in that light. So it's definitely probably the easiest path for him um, financially. And as as you can see, it's already generated all of this conversation uh, and this is literally the week that the movie is even coming out. The, the, the difficult question is would you see it, you know, pops up on Stan, it's, a, it, it's on your laptop, you can put it on your TV, would you click play?
1: Probably it's so bad to say. Would. I would, but yeah, I probably would. I, I think now after having this conversation, maybe a little bit different. But it, we consume so uh, man. I'm a I'm a I'm I'm a murderer fiend. I'm a fiend for that genre, and that's basically if if my fiance and I are watching TV, it's going to be some sort of murder mystery. Most of them are fictional, but I pr- look. I probably. W- Prior to us having this conversation, I probably would. Now that I know that the victims are opposed to it, I probably won't. Um, And I think that it's really good that people have been made aware that that is the case because it's it's definitely changed my perception. But I would Mm. because I also want to see good Australian content. Like if it's a well-made thing and it's Australian, I would love to see that because there's not enough of that. We've really abandoned... Good Australian drama or good well made Australian television has been just fucking thrown by the wayside. So, there's a
0: huge, uh, there's another huge argument um, that I think you can see in a lot of the articles floating around. And actually, Jess wrote this on our Facebook page in the conversation in Mm. the off air community Facebook page. Jess wrote, I would say it would educate people and I would watch it. Mm. Do you subscribe to the idea that um, if there's an education factor, it's worth it?
1: Well, I mean, to suggest that. None of these, uh, I got I to gotta go against Jess from the perspective that I don't think any of these, are. it's not like it's going to be 100% factually accurate because there's a level of dramatization that goes in any of these. And that's how we've whitewashed shitloads of history. Well, that's how the, that Hollywood has whitewashed shitloads of history over the years is by making something entertaining it and us watching it. And it not actually being factually accurate in any way whatsoever. Even stuff like Bohemian Rhapsody, I mean, is is oh, there was wild they made so up so much, of, it was terrible, so yeah. out of line.
0: So the timeline was totally out of whack <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. things happened yeah.
1: years apart. Even down to his facial hair, it was weird. So,
0: do you, like, do you think though that a movie about Martin Bryan's life pre this could be an educational thing? Uh, that's you know, a better question. Be no,
1: no, I don't. I don't because what are we going to learn? you know uh, it's what how is it going to help me the I, I think the guy hit the, uh, the 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 bloke that was there who is obviously an author hit the nail on the head yeah, when he said yeah um wooly hit the nail on the head when he said it will humanize this person to me and that does not do anything good because he yeah. does not deserve no no one who kills that many people in cold blood for no cognitive reason deserves to be humanized so, the answer yep. to that question is no, for me.
0: I uh, My response to the education argument, and I see this come up over and over again, not just in this particular situation, uh, but with a whole bunch of different mediums, is if I build a McDonald's, it's not starting conversation around positive dietary habits in that area. <laughs> so... <laughs> just you and your because analogies, something... tip <laughs> sorry good analogy so
1: yeah that's a pretty good one I guess
0: just because something exists doesn't mean that it's a positive tool within the conversation it can be a negative tool within the conversation and yeah. this was something that we saw um trotted out a number of times do you remember the TV show 13 reasons
1: why yeah came out in 2017 and Ted Bundy the Ted Bundy TV show but uh, casting Zach Efron caused a lot of criticism no. around no, no, not 13 – No, that's no, I'm one. saying two different oh, and some, things but the yeah, same right. point
0: is, you know. So, 13 Reasons Why was a TV show that was about teen suicide mm. and the whole argument was it's important that families are able to have conversations around teen suicide. The three months after that TV show came out on Netflix, teen suicide went up by 13% in America. Wow. including several, and I don't have the number of them, but several, several absolute copycat suicides to the T from the show. Mm. So, just saying that everything is an opportunity to start having a conversation, it doesn't matter how many conversations are had, if more kids are killing themselves, it's not worth it. And if if this movie comes out and it humanizes this terrible character... And one person sees it and goes, "I could do that." It's not worth it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So f-
0: for that reason, I think, um, yeah, I think if the if the victims don't want it to be made, and I think if the Tasmanian people don't want it to be made, it shouldn't have been. It should be making. Yeah, it shouldn't be made. Make it into a documentary. Let people learn about it. If that's your true, if that's your true goal to educate, then educate. Mm. But if you're there to just make money and make a Hollywood movie. With you know a very cool up and coming actor who P.S. I'm, I'm pretty sure is is American and has been in a bunch of other big Hollywood movies, <laughs> 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 then don't do it because it's I, I I don't think it's in good taste. It's time for Nick picks. This is our uh, our recommendations for the week. We're we're sliding them to the back. Nick, on the back of all of that, do you have any recommendations for everybody for so, something to include in their lives?
1: There is an. Awesome film dropping on stan. Uh no I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm getting 2021, maybe, maybe not. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh no, my nick pick is uh my pick is not a recommendation. Do not get involved in philosophy. That's my nitpick. What do you don't mean? Don't look at it. Don't okay. look at it in any way. I've been spending Why? way too much of my time over the past few weeks being far too introspective, and I don't think philosophy helps anyone. I-
0: <laughs> well, what, for, what? What have you been listening to a podcast? It, no, or I've, been what reading, reading? I've, been I've
1: been reading books by Noam Chomsky, and now I'm reading The, Pub- the Republic by Plato. They're great, but the whole thing is... There is no answer to everything. That's the problem. That's the problem with philosophy is it's a constant internal ethical struggle. And it chews up your time. And I just think that I'm in a rabbit hole at the moment that I can't get out of. And my fiancé is fucking fuming because i keep asking these ridiculous questions about uh uh, you know what is our banking doing on an ethical level what is this doing on an ethical level why can't we move to a farm and grow our own produce i i reckon i am three chapters from joining a cult tim so that's my (laughs) my my recommendation is stay away from too much introspective thinking any potential cult leaders out there? Nick
0: is right yeah. for the picking.
1: Well, um, I want to come in as a 2IC because if I'm going to be in a cult, I want to be involved in the leadership of it. <laughs> I,
0: once again, your Nick pick has just dazzled me, Nick. Um, I've got a real Nick pick for people. There's, a, there's actually a great movie that I've already recommended to you, Nick, uh, called Tickled. It's a documentary and it came out, I think, in 2016 or 2017 and it's a documentary about competitive long-form tickling, Mm. and it is fucking wild. I'm not going to say too much, but that's what it starts about, and by the end, it's about some really dark, creepy, weird stuff. So, uh, hint, hint, uh, competitive long-form tickling may be a cover for some other weird shit. And would you (laughs) say it's
1: changed any uh, recommendations you've received online, Tim? Any behavioral... Any anything that you...
0: I've been getting pop-ups. I've been because I've been googling tickling, so I've been because I want to find out about the characters. So yeah, I'm getting like weird shit now coming up that I'm not into tickling. It's a great documentary. All right, All right let's get out of here. Um, if you're still hanging out with us, jump into the Facebook group. It's called Off Air Podcast Community. Search it on Facebook. We'll add a link in the uh, show notes. Otherwise, we'll catch you next week. You've been listening to Off Air. Remember to like and subscribe.
1: People are entitled to their sexual proclivities.